I mean, I think that's one of the kind of the joys and also the drawbacks of crime as a genre. And it's one of the things that annoys me most when people make, you know, you always read pieces in the newspapers where it's someone making these sweeping generalizations about crime this, crime that. And actually, crime is a huge genre. Welcome back to this very remote vintage podcast once again, but uh, the lockdown is not going to prevent us from being curious about different books and different things to try. And particularly while we're in lockdown, uh, it's a really exciting time uh, to experiment with books we've never tried before. Uh, And one of the things, I don't know if you've heard our other episodes, but we've previously done one um, called Hello, I'm Scared of Poetry, where we talked about why we're scared of poetry, what poetry to try, uh, trying to unpick some of those anxieties around poetry. Um, And this time we wanted to talk about crime. Um, So who better to talk about crime with than Ruth Ware, the queen of crime. How are you today, Ruth? I'm good. Yes. Yeah. Here in lockdown Sussex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ruth is one of the the biggest players in the crime scene at the moment. Is that like a good way to say it? Crime scene. I was going to say, you make me sound like some kind of mafia boss. I would like to stress this is on a purely fictional level. I don't actually commit any crimes. (laughs) To be clear, I am not a criminal. Um, Ruth is an incredible crime writer and she is joined here by Ryan, uh, who is one of our publicity stars. Um, Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. Can you explain a little bit about what you do at Vintage, Ryan? Yeah, so I'm a publicist at Vintage, which means I work very closely with our authors and the media uh, to ensure their books are featured in the press. So this includes um, securing reviews and interviews in newspapers, magazines, in print and online, um, radio and podcast interviews, um, and appearances at book festivals and um, book tours and literary events. So this time you've done a bit of a number and you've, you've managed to score yourself <laughs> a feature on the podcast. You're on the other side of it this time. We've spotlighted you. It's slightly terrifying, actually. I definitely <laughs> realised that I definitely prefer being on the other side. So uh, setting it well, up and then taking some steps back. Well, we picked you because um, we were talking about, um, and I kind of feel the same a little bit. I've read a few crime books and I've loved them, but I feel when I go to the crime section of a bookshop, I never know where to start. I'm not sure if I can like, you know, it's something that I I just haven't defaulted to, um, which is why Ruth, you're here to guide us. You're here um, to guide you through the wonderful world of fictional. The crime. wonderful world of crime. Um, so first, um, before we talk um, to Ryan a little bit about why he might be scared of crime, as I am, I'm scared of actual crime, <laughs> but also crime fiction. Um, Ruth, tell us a little bit about um, what, like your your you and crime, the two the two together. Um, how you met crime books? Where were the first crime books you you started? reading and how you got into writing crime books definitely I so the first crime story that I kind of encountered I didn't read to myself my mum read it to me as a bedtime story and so I must have been quite young I don't know how young but probably about seven or eight and she read me The Speckled Band by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle which is a Sherlock Holmes story and I don't know if you've read it but it's absolutely terrifying it's about a young woman who goes to bed and locks her door and in the middle of the night something happens and she staggers out of her room white as a sheet in absolute pain and just manages to go 
it was the speckled band before dying <laughs> which was like calculated not to make me want to go to bed ever again it's like a really classic locked room mystery with a brilliant solution which I won't spoil um, but it was a bit of a baptism of fire and I didn't sleep for quite a long time after that but then I discovered Agatha Christie who's a distinctly kind of more reassuring kind of crime and then from there went on to sort of other types of classic crime fell in love with Lord Peter Whimsey as you know a certain type of literary teenager does and from there just kind of went on to you know modern crime classic crime people like you know Erin Kelly Gillian Anderson Gillian Anderson Gillian Flynn um Paula Hawkins you know all the kind of psychological thrillers that I love today so amazing and then when did you start writing crime books were you always writing? No, I wasn't. I've always written um, and I was scribbling little stories right from literally from when I could write almost. Um, but I don't know why. Crime was the one genre that I never turned my hand to. And I wrote romance and fantasy and sci-fi and literary fiction. And I think I was kind of just trying out all the different genres and sort of seeing which one fitted. But I didn't write a crime novel until I wrote in a dot dot wood which was my first, um, yeah, first published crime book. Um, so I don't know why it took me so long to come around to the idea. Um, maybe because they're a bit daunting to construct as a writer. You have to have, you have to have a lot of things in play at one time. You have to have a kind of an emotional story and a main character, but you also have to have the kind of intellectual puzzle that you play off at the same time. Um, so maybe I needed to kind of to learn how to be a writer before I could be a crime writer. Oh, yeah, I can imagine that. Because I think with a lot of books, like I can imagine Discovery writing them. So starting at the beginning, seeing where it goes. But with a crime book, you almost have to write it backwards, I assume. <laughs> you have to literally... It's like reciting yeah. the alphabet backwards. It sounds impossible. I don't write mine in a very... Like I know lots of people who have these incredibly kind of complicated methods and plot it all out beforehand and have these kind of index files. And I don't do that. I write mine in a much more kind of organic, um, making it up as I go along kind of way. Um, but for sure, yeah, you need to like you need to give the reader a fair crack at solving the crime. And that means you have to know who did it, how they did it and how you're going to find that out right from the beginning because otherwise you can't kind of seed those little sort of bits of information in it's a proper operation I can imagine <laughs> um Ryan tell me what you kind of default to reading like what's your favorite kind of thing to read and and why don't you pick up crime that often tell me a little bit about that so I think naturally um I gravitate towards literary fiction um new voices um classics and in terms of non-fiction I read a lot of um 20th century history, European history, seems to be something I've kind of read a lot more, more and more of. Um, and in these kind of circumstances, because when I'm, my concentration's kind of not what it usually is, with all adapting and the news cycle, yeah. I've been... You, yeah, you're not the only <laughs> Yeah, so I've really kind of got into short stories at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. And I think because there's a sense of accomplishment when you you can kind of read for sort of 20 minutes, half an hour, and you've read one complete thing, which feels really nice. But I, I think with crime, I I watch a lot. It's strange, because when I was a kid, I loved Goosebumps. I loved the point horror books, which are kind of horror, crimey type books, thrillery, and I loved them. One, um, of, my, one of my proudest moments as a writer was I got a quote from R.L. Stein. I was like, yes. Yeah, I'm, I, think I, I think at my mum's house, I've still got them all on a shelf somewhere, because I just loved them. Um, and then I watched the TV show 
Um, so I did like it. I think now I, I watch quite a lot of um, like true crime documentaries. I'm a bit one of those. And I listen to a couple of podcasts. And I think I kind of get my fix from that. So I don't know why they've now become separate because there was a time when I would kind of merge my reading with kind of more thriller type crime stuff. But I'm not really sure why. I think it's just in my... And also I think something Luna mentioned, it can feel a bit um, overwhelming, particularly in a bookshop, to know what where to go. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of... Yeah, it can be hard to see sometimes past the cover and title and really know what they're saying I think I mean I think that's one of the kind of the joys and also the drawbacks of crime as a genre and it's one of the things that annoys me most when people make you know you always read pieces in the newspapers where it's someone making these sweeping generalizations about crime this crime that and actually crime is a huge genre it's as big as you know, it's like saying fiction is this like of course there's some parts of fiction of this but you know crime's spans the gamut from really intensely literary right through to kind of pure page turners and really like terrifying stuff that is way too hardcore for me I'm quite a wussy reader as far as chills are you a wussy reader yeah yeah that makes me feel better because that's one of the things that stops me is that I'm like I'm kind of still a bit scared of the dark I'm an ex-Christian, but for some reason I still, it kind of, I think that affects like how much I really believe in ghosts, which is more than most people. Um, but that makes me feel better that you're also a little scared. I don't mind kind of chills and spooky stuff. Like there's quite a lot of playing about with that in my books. But what I really don't, I, I cannot read books that are kind of sort of like people locked in basements or sexual torture or particularly stuff happening to kids. That's just like my my hard line. Um, you know, no shade on people who write that. It's it, it, We need to explore all areas of human experience in fiction and that's fine, but it's not what I want to spend my evenings immersing myself in. You know, when you're not familiar with a genre, as you say, sometimes the jackets can look really similar when they're kind of wildly different types of books. And it is a bit of a learning curve, I think, with finding out sort of which bits yeah. are. Yeah, because I, I also, I've heard this stuff about crime fiction through the ages where it's like, often the sca- like the thing that is scary in the book is what, as a society, we're a little bit afraid of. <laughs> and that can like change throughout the decades. But then it also means that on a personal level, the stuff that you're like, I'm quite, I'm quite interested in exploring that fear. And then other fears you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, but makes- there's stuff that is enjoyable to explore. And then there's stuff that's definitely, I mean, the classic thing that is always talked about is the fact that the golden age of crime was in between the wars you know and Agatha Christie was writing all the way through the second world war and wrote some of her best known she wrote 12 books I think during the second world war without stopping sometimes two books a year and people wanted to read about this and even in the midst of kind of death and you know bereavement and destruction and bombs and huge uncertainty they wanted crime and it becomes yeah, are they sort of, are they exploring fears safely? Are they wanting to live in a world where the impossible is solved and made right and where baddies are brought to justice? I don't know. I mean, if there was easy answers, I guess I would publish a thesis on it and become a PhD. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's the same with uh, you, Ryan, but like I also um, think that there's probably a lot of misconceptions around crime. And, and you've just named like one of the crime writers that I know, apart from like very modern writers, which is like, Agatha Christie. And then Sherlock 
home stuff like like that's the only kind of two touch points apart from modern writers that that I know um like what do you come up against misconceptions I don't know Ryan if you've got any more misconceptions um that you have but like do you come up against those things uh, in the book world and and what which ones are true and which ones are like not so true <laughs> are there any that are accurate I think one thing I sometimes maybe is a misconception um that I hear is um that they they're not always believable and think sometimes people read to escape but also some people read to understand their life or their situation or things going on in the world a little bit more and I think there are a lot I know that there are a lot like that um but I think that's a not necessarily something I believe but I think that's sometimes a bit of a misconception that it's sort of by so many things can happen to someone in the morning but life and I I watch enough kind of true crime dramas to know that actually extraordinary things do happen to people well that's why I don't write series because I've always struggled with that exact question of you know I don't want to write a procedural I don't want to write about a police officer because I don't inhabit that world and it's not my area of expertise and you do run up against the question of realistically how many bodies can an ordinary person stumble at you know we're not all Jessica Fletcher we don't all open our door in Cabot Cove and have a corpse waiting there every single day so you know it's something that crime writers struggle with as well but I do I firmly believe that it is completely possible and plausible for one terrible unlikely incident to strike people in a lifetime you know I think we've all been the victims of those and we know people who've had terrible extraordinary things happen to them so I don't think in itself that's but yeah when it happens again and again and again the kind well, I of suppose that's it's an interesting one because you can kind of say that for any genre like you could pick up like a big uh, like sad poetry and be like how sad can one man really be <laughs> and like you know with like a little life it's like that's brutal <laughs> like I think we apply that to, to crime when actually we can probably say that about a lot of genres you know you're always going to be writing about the extraordinary end of ordinary even when it's you know even when it's just a regular life you're writing about it in some kind of heightened artificial way no one writes about life as it really happens because it would be incredibly tedious and full of ums and ahs and non sequiturs you know that's not how fiction works we accept that it's a kind of construct but yeah it's how far you're kind of prepared to to follow that construct but do you so do you read crime at all right have you read stuff and not enjoyed it or you just never really got to grips with it as a genre no I have and I, I remember when I was younger my dad my dad is a big kind of thriller reads all the big American um, crime authors and I remember but get but again it's I remember picking one up because I was on holiday and I ran we ran I ran out of books and I picked up a Robert Ludlum book and I absolutely loved it. And for years, it was um, The Sigma Protocol. And it was one of my favourite books because it had this kind of... I was so gripped by the narrative, but it also had this kind of, at the end, a real big moral question, a kind of about ethics. And I just found it really fascinating. But then I didn't pick up another one. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a bit strange. So I don't really know why, because the ones I have read, I have enjoyed. But I think... I also haven't, I work in publishing and a lot of my reading is dictated by what I work on and I haven't actually worked with any um, like more modern crime writers. So 
I don't know. Yeah, it's not that I haven't enjoyed them. I just I think it's interesting. Like what we when we go into a bookshop, what we go towards because it's what we see ourselves. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like I don't really see myself as a crime reader, even though I've read crime books. And it's that thing of like what settles in your head and what doesn't. Ryan, if you were going to pick up your next crime book, let's find one for you. What would you be looking for in a crime book? And we'll see if Ruth can recommend you and, and me. Probably, yeah, yeah Doctor uh, Book. <laughs> yeah, give us give us your ailments, and we'll diagnose a book. Okay, a real somewhere with a real sense of place that I can kind of get immersed in. Um, Just because we're not going anywhere right now, so we need that. some vivid sense of travel. <laughs> need to escape my four walls. Um, yeah. something historical, but maybe more kind of twentieth century historical kind of, and something I do think that raises questions or makes you think differently about something. So I kind of like moral ambiguity in a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have three suggestions for you. Ooh, okay. Um, if people are sort of struggling to find their way into a genre, I sometimes think it's helpful to have sort of stepping stone books that kind of are not necessarily crime but crime adjacent um and a book which I firmly believe is part of the psychological thriller genre um and I would probably argue one of the first but isn't usually shelved as that or regarded as that is Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier um which I think has the amazing sense of place that you're after um, obviously, it's also a literary classic, so it's just a really good book to have read if one is interested in literary fiction, because it's the touchstone for a lot of kind of literary fiction as well as a lot of crime fiction. Um, another book, which um, again is kind of part of the classic crime canon, and I think has the kind of moral questioning and ambiguity that you're maybe talking about, um, would be the talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Um, she is just a wonderful writer, full stop. She writes very sparsely. Um, she's amazing at creating character. She plunges you right in. And it is a crime novel. You're kind of um, trying to figure out what's happening, whether Ripley's going to get caught, but she sort of puts you on the opposite side to most crime novels because you're in Ripley's skin and you're rooting for him even as he's doing terrible terrible things but you also kind of at the same time want justice to catch up with him um but in terms of a modern book which i think ticks all your boxes including the historical one i would highly recommend um abir mukherjee's um series uh, which is set in the indian raj and um has two fantastic um characters at the center of it there's sam who's an english man who's been kind of um dropped into colonial India in a sort of um, typically kind of, you know, bossing the locals around. And then there's his kind of second in command and sidekick, Surendranath, who's um, an Indian. Um, and it's just, it's brilliantly done and it tackles some really big questions alongside each time a really cracking mystery in terms of, you know, you want to find out who done it, you want to, you want the detectives to solve it, you want everyone to be banged to rights. But he's really grappling with big 20th century questions that are still dogging us today in terms of the fact that we don't have solutions. You know, these are still things that are echoing in the news cycle today. Um, and they're just, they're crackingly good reads as well. The first one's called A Rising Man, isn't it? Is that the first one in the series? Yes, that is the first one. But I don't 
think you necessarily have to read them in order okay. they're all fair yeah, i'd probably start with number one but they're all fairly standalone yeah um you've just reminded me of something i just literally had by my bed because i've been reading this book called um daily rituals um which is all about writers daily rituals and i just read last night the one on patricia highsmith who wrote the santa <laughs> miserably and do you want to hear something from it it's not the thing about the snails in her bra is it she yes, was a- <laughs> she she used to like carry around snails. She had she bred snails herself in her home, and this is carry them around in her handbag to literary events, bring them to bookshops, and then when she moved to France and they wouldn't let her bring her snails, she smuggled them under her breasts. Six to ten creatures hidden hidden under each breast. <laughs> so I don't know if it's doing much for the stereotype for crime writers being a little bit kooky. <laughs> I would like to make it clear I have no snails about my person. I cannot advocate this as a method of animal transportation. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It depends. We'll, we'll keep watching you throughout your career and we'll see for any signs of like reptile life in your handbag. <laughs> Ruth, do you also have some advice for like us looking for like skills as crime book shoppers like what we can like how do you tell what what's in a book do you kind of just scan the blurb and get an idea for it or because I want to read like you said like when you're looking for stuff that doesn't feature stuff that scares you and then stuff that you're okay with what how do you gauge that or is it just kind of reading reviews getting to know which authors write about what do you have any advice yeah I mean that's a really difficult question I guess I do have writers I have a bunch of writers that I know are talking about stuff that I'm interested in and won't take me to places that I am not comfortable with going to. Um, I really love Erin Kelly, um, Claire McIntosh, um, Megan Abbott, who's um, an American writer. She wrote uh, Dare Me, which is on the uh, on Netflix at the moment. Um, yeah. Megan Miranda. Um, there's just a bunch of really kind of smart, crime writers and psychological thriller writers who are sort of I guess they have the same preoccupations as me and they're they're asking questions about the world that I am also interested in um but for sure when I pick up a new writer you know you get to know you definitely get certain kind of touchstones on the blurb and stuff to sort of figure out what kind of genre it's in but I don't think you can do much better than just reading the first chapter I think normally when a book is going to go to a really horrible place there's a habit of putting that front and center because you know that some people are drawn in by that content so usually they want to get it out there and make it clear that this is kind of a yeah I can't you know one of the wonderful things about being an established writer now is that I get sent a lot of books but it's surprising the number that you open and it will begin with a really brutal rape or you know a dead body having horrible things done to it and that that is usually in the first chapter um I am a great uh I was going to say fingerer, but that sounds really wrong. Um, (laughs) Browser, let's say. Bookshop browser. Like, I'm really shameless about just picking books up and leafing through them. And, you know, I try not to crack the spine. Um, But I would always rather a reader read a chunk of mine and decided whether it was for them rather than kind of dutifully ploughing through it and hating every moment. Um, Well, Ruth, tell us a little bit about what what you enjoy about writing crime as opposed to any other kind of genre, like what's fun about it. And can you also tell us a little bit about like your latest book and and where we can, I don't know, what what would be, maybe that's hard for you to answer as the author, but like where to start with Ruth Ware books. If people are listening and they've never picked up a Ruth Ware book, where would be 
a good place to start because we've got turn of the key and spooky houses yeah well so my books are all standalones partly because of the whole procedural question which means you can literally pick up any of them and they there's you know there's no prior knowledge needed um but i would say they kind of divide into two camps one's the slightly more kind of agatha christie-ish classic crime inspired sort of novel which is probably in a dark dark wood which was my first novel the woman in cabin 10 which is about a murder on a cruise ship and my forthcoming novel which is coming out this autumn one by one which is about a murder in a chalet in the french alps and is it's kind of a country house concept where the where the guests are being picked off one by one hence the title um so it is a little bit and then there were none kind of inspired um and then my other kind of chunk of inspiration um comes from the sort of Daphne du Maurier, um, Josephine Tay kind of side of crime writing, um, which is the more sort of gothic uh, side. And that's the, the death of Mrs. Westaway and The Turn of the Key, which is heavily inspired by Henry James's The Turn of the Screw and is about a nanny going crazy in a Scottish house all by herself. Um, but in terms of what I love about writing crime, I guess it's very similar pleasures to reading, but just from the other end. Um, And I think the thing about crime and in particular about psychological thrillers is you get two very distinct pleasures. So with that kind of Agatha Christie style novel, it's really a puzzle and it's a battle of wits between the writer and the reader. You know, as a reader, you're being set a problem and you're trying to figure out the solution to see through all the kind of smoke and mirrors that the authors put out there and solve the the conundrum before the detective gets there. Um, but what I also love is a really cracking kind of um, emotional story where you're inside the skin of the character, you're really, you're going on a, you know, a character building journey with them or you're discovering something about human nature. And not always, but I would say stereotypically classic crime doesn't offer that quite so much it's a more sort of cerebral pleasure but I think the thing about psychological thrillers is they really do combine the two of them you know you you usually have someone going through an intensely difficult experience with all the kind of emotional upheaval that that entails but at the end of the day it is still a a kind of will I figure out the twists and the turns and the whodunits before the author makes their reveal and as a reader that's really fun it's really kind of you know trying to spot all the different kind of techniques and you get to know writers so you get to know how they pull their twists and how they do it um but as a writer it's really fun as well you know being the one to kind of and I try really hard to play fair with my readers I try to give them all the clues they need to solve the mystery because there's nothing more frustrating than getting to the final page and you know something comes out of the closet that you just couldn't possibly have known was there and anyone can do that anyone can keep back a vital bit of information and go haha well you didn't know she had an identical twin did you but the trick is to to present that information but in a way that the reader doesn't recognize while also giving them a really good story and a really interesting insight into someone's i suppose it's the equivalent of like doing the whole like 
and she woke up and the whole thing was a dream. It's like the crime equivalent of that. It's like an identical twin appears from a cupboard. <laughs> well, I liken it a lot to being a stage magician. You know, like the best kind of stage magician is not the one who has a stooge in the audience who, you know, already knows that she has to pick the marked card and go, oh my God, it's the three of clubs. Or so, You know, the best is the one who actually forces you to believe the trick because he's doing it in front of you. And... Yeah. I, that's what I aspire to as a crime writer. <laughs> I don't know if I always pull it off, but that's what I try to do. Amazing. Um, so, Ryan, to sum up, do you feel how do you feel about crime now? Do you feel like more confident approaching the shelves? You're gonna pick one up. I do. I do, and it's and it's funny because it's um, the three books that Ruth mentioned. Um, I've got them all downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> so it proved, it's kind of yeah. I think it's been really really interesting, and it's kind of made me see past. Even though I know a lot of, I know they are misconceptions. It's sometimes um, having that extra insight just pushed me to see past that. And yeah, I'm looking forward to reading them. Well, please, when whichever one you pick, please come find me on Twitter and let me know what you think of it. Because uh, I would genuinely, I would love to know if it, you know, if it surprises you or changes your mind. Or yeah. Rebecca's been on my list for a really long time, and Talented Mr. Ripley is a film I absolutely love. So I obviously love the story of it, so it would make sense that I would enjoy the books. I, I didn't know that Rebecca was a crime-ish book, crime-ish. Um, I've just heard like vague things about it, but I didn't know that, so maybe I'll have to try it. Well, so I think most people I know who love Rebecca have read it twice, and usually they've read it once as a teenager, which is what I did, and once as an adult. And when you read it as a teenager, you read it as a love story with a crime at the heart of it. And when you read it as an adult, I think you read it as a story of psychological gaslighting and oh. an incredibly toxic relationship. It's like two different books when it's kind of like one of those, you know, optical illusions where when you look at it one way, it's a woman. And when you look at it the other way, it's like, you know, it's a, you suddenly see it in a completely different way. So um, if you do go for that one, Ryan, I would love to know how you see it. Maybe I've forced you into one route or another. I don't know. No, but I mean, both of those routes sound really interesting. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, thank you both for being good sports and, um, taking part in this um, very remote vintage podcast i hope we can all hang out soon and have actual cups of tea in actual rooms <laughs> um <laughs> but thank you so much and i, I hope you both have um i would say amazing lockdowns <laughs> that's not the way to you're like i hope, I hope possible <laughs> lockdown <laughs> it's like when you say have a good uh, weekend i feel like can we really say that uh, anymore like well, no i know we have, um, i hope you have a great reading life <laughs> this week that's what we can hope for Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. We have a great thread on the Vintage Books Twitter uh, if you'd like to see where you can order a book from your independent bookshop from. I also want to give a quick shout out uh, for those of you who love to write as well as to read uh, to the Right Now scheme. Penguin are looking for writers across the UK and Ireland to apply to Right Now. It's a free programme to find, nurture and publish new writing talent from communities underrepresented on the nation's bookshelves. It's a chance for you to define what it means to be an author and it starts with just a thousand words. So all you need to do is go to penguin.co.uk slash right now. That's W-R-I-T-E now to find out more and apply before the 31st of May.
there's something to keep you occupied uh, while in hibernation. Thank you so much for listening to the Vintage Podcast. You can come over and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Vintage Books and leave us a review if you fancy. Keep reading boldly and thinking differently and until next time.